Welcome to this week's edition of the Gridiron Podcast. My name is Braden Dorman, alongside me, Bryce Peterson, and we are continuing the Countdown to the Draft series today, and we are excited to talk some NFL and some good news in college football. How's it going, everybody? Hope you're having a great week. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, yeah, we have a packed show for you guys today. A lot of free agency talks, can teams hold on to players, um, star players around the league moving around, possibly moving around, having disagreements with teams. Um, we'll get a little bit of college football in with some news. Um, and then we'll end with a brand new segment. Not sure how long it will continue, but we do really think it will be a good one at the very end for you guys. Sweet. So, obviously the big news of the week was J.J. Watt um, officially signing a deal and kind of in a place we weren't really expecting. We were kind of expecting maybe a Buffalo, Pittsburgh, um, maybe Indianapolis, but he ends up in Arizona, of course, making me very happy to see another star defensive lineman in the NFC West. Um, he reunites with DeAndre Hopkins, and people are saying, hey, maybe some other Texans can head to Arizona and they can just be the Arizona Texans. So a two-year, $31 million deal, $23 million guaranteed. What do you think about the deal? Uh, I love it for both sides. Uh, JJ gets to get paid here. Um and he has a shot at a long run in the playoffs. I don't know necessarily that we'll call them a Super Bowl caliber team right now, but he gets a good shot at the playoffs. I also like it for the Cardinals because they're signing a star player and the top two players with the most sacks since I think it's 2015 or 2018, one of those two years, has been J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones, who's already on the Cardinals active roster. So you put those two guys together, either on opposite ends of the line or on one side of the line, and they're just going to be game wreckers, especially in the NFC West where there's good running games but also a lot of passing game with Russell Wilson. Um, we'll see about the 49ers. Matthew Stafford is probably going to be a high-pass quarterback in L.A. So I like it for both sides. J.J. gets to get paid for a couple more years. And, I mean, honestly, he might be thinking about in the long run he could – maybe sign another contract with one more team and go ring chasing here in a couple years. He just wants to get paid here first. The other thing that's nice for him is he's in warm weather and he plays in a dome for eight games out of the year, which that's exactly what he's accustomed to and exactly what he likes. So I like it for both sides. Yeah, Arizona is a great place to be. Um, a lot of big-time players have ended their careers in Arizona. You think of like Emmett Smith, Kurt Warner. There's a lot more... Um, but I did think he was kind of ring chasing here. He is 31 years old and I just don't know if Arizona's the spot for him just because I think this NFC West is so stacked. So he goes, he chooses Arizona. Does he believe this team can a get into the playoffs? Cause they have not been able to do that and, you know, make a run in the playoffs to possibly contend for a Super Bowl. Well, I mean, here's the thing is whether they can make that run or not. He's still going to get paid for two years. And with how he's tracking, he could pull out a couple more years out of himself. I mean, he's been dealing with injuries since day one. So it really has nothing to change for him unless they get more serious, which I don't really know how they can get more serious than they've already been for him. So for him, he gets to get paid $31 million for the next two years. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. He can go sign with a new team for a year, two years, pull a Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneer type deal, have Gronk sign a one-year deal type deal, and go ring chasing and have a better shot. But I respect him because he gets to get paid 
the $31 million for the next two years, get a little bit more money in the bank, and then have a chance rather than going for a lot less money and getting a Super Bowl NFC Championship guaranteed or AFC Championship guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it'll be very interesting to see. Um, how do you see this kind of change in the NFC West landscape? We obviously saw the Rams hit Pater by getting Matthew Stafford about a month ago. That's going to help them out, we believe, because their defense is already um, NFC Championship level. The Seahawks, they're there every year. They make the playoffs. Whether they can go far, that's kind of up to them. Um, and they obviously need to work on an offensive line. And then the 49ers were injury-ridden um, all last year. They're seeing if they can maybe change a quarterback, which we might get into later. I mean, the NFC West is going to be absolutely stacked. Yeah, and the craziest thing is I think what's going to be most important for the NFC West from here on out is a run game. Uh, you're going to want to stay away from J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, Aaron Donald, all those guys. So you're going to want to have a good run game, which in turn will set up play action, which will be extremely important to hold those guys at bay as much as you can. I mean, now you have three game records in the same division, two on the same team. Well, I'd go four, honestly, because you also think about Nick Bosa, who was here all oh, year right. on the 49ers. Nick Bosa, I totally forgot about him. So, yeah, you're looking at four game wreckers, and so you're going to need a good run game to set up play action to hold those pass rushers at bay a little bit so you have more than 1.2 seconds to throw the ball. Yeah, exactly, which, as a Seahawks fan, I am very much used to, and I would love to see that stop, but the more signings that continue to happen, the more it seems like it's just inevitable for Russell Wilson. Um Speaking of Russ, Chandler Jones actually tweeted out after J.J. Watt's signing, uh, rest in peace, Russell Wilson. So, I mean, they're just all poking the bear right now. They're like, A, they're trying to get him out of their division um, by just doing all this stuff and, you know, saying these things. Because at the end of the day, they don't want to face Russell. But they're also like, hey, Russell's in his head. This team is kind of falling apart around them. And now there's being tra- there's being trade rumors to – possibly four to five different teams. Um, apparently, Russell gave like a small list of teams that he said that he would be fine going to. Uh, included the Raiders, the Saints, the Bears, and maybe even the Jets, which I was kind of surprised to see, I guess. Um, what do you think about this whole Russell Wilson situation? I personally don't want to give it too much coverage just because I feel like it's totally being blown out of proportion. But... Uh, what do you think about it? And while I do think you're correct that it's probably blown out of proportion, I do think it could be a possibility. Russell Wilson has already been frustrated. I'm sure he's been frustrated for years, and this is like the boiling point where the Seahawks need to fix the problem or they need to get rid of him. I think the biggest thing for me is you look at some of the breakdowns. For offensive lines, Seattle spends $22.8 million or did spend $22.8 million on their entire offensive line this year. Uh, teams that he is wanting to go to, Las Vegas Raiders, $54.4 million. Dallas Cowboys, $53.5. Um, so you're looking at rosters that spend double the amount of money to have way better offensive linemen, and he doesn't have to be in a division with four game wreckers. I think that's the big thing is... He needs to figure out if Seattle is willing to go all in for him. Because right now, they're not spending near enough money 
on the offensive line, and all the places he does want to go either already have great offensive lines or are extremely talented. The Saints don't spend a whole lot of money on their offensive line. I think it's like 30 or $40 million. They're a successful team. That's where he wants to go. Now, the Bears, I have no idea why the heck the Bears are in that list. <laughs> but they're in there, so no idea why. However, I can see him choosing any of those places because Seattle's not doing any of those things. Yeah, and I mean, another reason, which I've talked about on previous episodes, is I really still believe they're paying him too much money himself. Like, if you want to have that protection, you might need to slightly do what Tom Brady does and take a slight pay cut to have success and to not be hit five to ten times a game. Probably more than that, honestly. And, I mean, that's the recipes for success, which we've talked about uh, in previous episodes. So, yes, I do think this is a possibility. Um, I just don't really see it happening. He is the face of the franchise, and it would be... It would send an absolute shockwave to the NFL, and it would definitely change uh, the outlook of the NFC West. Um, here's why. Here's where I stand as um, a Seahawks fan and a guy who knows the Seahawks pretty well. Our GM, John Schneider, has consistently made really good moves um, the last 10 years. So whatever does happen, I have faith that the Seahawks are going to come out winning that deal whether it be short-term or long-term. If you're getting rid of Russell Wilson, it's probably going to be more of a long-term winning that deal because you're losing one of the best players in the NFL. Um, but I would assume if we did trade off Russ, we would end up with a very high draft pick this year and two to three other first-rounders and probably a good player coming back. So I think we would get um, something good back, if not more than we probably should get back out of this deal just because our GM is so good at his job. So I would hate to see Russ go, but I do have uh, faith in the Seattle Seahawks GM, John Schneider. And that's all fair. I think the other thing to think about is they don't have a whole lot of highly paid free agents this year, which will help in their ability to go and get offensive linemen. You look at their top four to five free agents, KJ Wright, who is on a $7 million deal, Bruce Irvin, $5.5 million, Jacob Hollister, 3.2526. Benson Mayoa, mm-hmm. 3.05. And Carlos Hyde, 2.75. So those are all free agents that are fairly low. Now, we have talked about how Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde is saying that he wants a bigger contract coming back. Mm-hmm. But who knows if that would really happen. The great news is that that's what they have to work with, is they're losing those players, or they don't have a whole lot to re-sign compared to a Tampa Bay Bucks team that we'll talk about here in a minute. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of money that they're probably going to um, keep for themselves. I don't think Irvin, Hollister, Mayoa, or Carlos Hyde really need to come back next year. I think K.J. Wright is huge for this defense. He is getting older, but he, I honestly think, should have been a pro bowler next year, last year. So I, I do believe K.J. Wright should get re-signed, but he's probably going to ask for more than the $7 million he made last year. Um, so that could be interesting. I also saw Chris Carson is a possibility for heading out to get the bag, um, which, as you said, that running game could be huge. So Chris Carson may need to be a guy that needs to come back. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do, but I absolutely see them going out and getting offensive linemen. Um, I saw Trent Williams rumored as a possible uh, landing spot uh, being Seattle, 
they obviously need to draft some offensive linemen. And, uh, I mean, if you don't, Russ is going to see it, and he's going he's to demand a trade. And that is the situation you don't want to be in. So, I don't know, man. The NFC West, they're stacking up because teams are that good. That So, everybody else has to go out there and make some moves. So, um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, kind of a crazy situation. Uh, moving on, Alex Smith is rumored that he will be released by the Washington football team at some point this week. As you guys know, episodes always come out on Thursdays, and we record on Tuesdays. So if this happens on Wednesday or Thursday, we're sorry. There will be a graphic for it on the Instagram, but we can't talk about it. But we'll talk about the rumor. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it? Uh, I think it makes sense. Like, Yes, he won Comeback Player of the Year, and it was a really great story. And it was honestly a great PR move that you know brought one of the more respected players in the game back to Washington, and at this point, it really doesn't make much sense for them to keep him. Um, they signed Heineke. They're possibly expected to make a move at quarterback, whether it be in the draft or in free agency or a trade, possibly. So, yes, you can keep him around to maybe mentor a young guy, but at this point, he's kind of just ta- taking some money from you that you want to spend to build an NFC East champion team and uh, a team that can move on in the playoffs after that just that first round. So... It was really cool to see him come back last year, but it does make sense for the football team. Yeah, as a GM or a coach or anything like that, I like the move. Smart, he probably isn't going to be super durable for you and be able to carry you super far. As a football fan, I absolutely hate the move. I hate it. I, he's the greatest story that football has ever had. You should give him a chance and let him start for another year. See if he can't lead you on a magical run. But as a GM or a football coach, I completely understand it. It makes sense. I just don't know what they're going to do at the quarterback position yeah. because Taylor Heineke is completely unproven. I mean, yes, he played in a playoff game, or maybe it was two. There's one. It was, okay, it was yeah. Buccaneers. What One playoff game. And did he play good? Yeah. Anybody can play good for one game. Now, that good, maybe, but you see the guys that are consistently good come out day in and day out and be good, he could be one of those guys that's a one-game shine and then that's it. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do at the quarterback position because now they have nothing if they release him. And so then now we're looking ahead to the draft next week. That We'll talk about the draft. Now we're like, oh, wow, is Washington going to trade up and go get a quarterback? Because now they have nobody. Mm-hmm. No, there's totally... Totally a possibility. There's a lot of great quarterbacks that could go right there in that first 10 picks. And we honestly expect somebody to trade up and go get a quarterback next year, or in the draft. And Washington is definitely a viable option to do that. Um, At the end of the day, I'm guessing they have a plan. I'm not guessing. I know they have a plan. And they've had Heineke around for a little bit. Maybe they just know that he he has the mental capability to take on what – a starter at Washington needs to do. Um, maybe they know he's got what it takes just through practice and just that first game showed him enough. But uh, it does seem a little sketchy. I mean, as you said, he had, he really does not have that much experience at all. He could be just a one game and, and then a bust. Um, but we'll have to see what they do in this offseason because there's no way they're not going to go without A, signing somebody or going out and drafting somebody when I would project maybe a first round. All right, so let's also talk about some more NFL news. Um, 
Juju Smith-Schuster. He is a free agent. Um, it's weird to think of him on another team other than the Steelers, but it kind of seems like that is becoming more and more likely every day. Um, do you see Juju staying in Pittsburgh, or do you see him uh, moving on? I think he wants to stay in Pittsburgh. I think that's where he would like to be. Now, keep in mind, people, this is his rookie contract, so he hasn't even been getting paid a whole lot. So he may be asking for a whole lot that we don't really know about, but this is his rookie contract ending. And so that's the important piece here is what is his new contract going to be after the Steelers have had him on a rookie contract and not this past year but the season before. He showed out. This year he was a little bit more quiet. But I think he wants to stay in Pittsburgh. The question is, does Pittsburgh want him? Mm -hmm. I think it all depends on if Big Ben is coming back or not. Because if he is, then yeah, I want to re-sign him and have a good shot at an NFC or AFC championship or big playoff run or something like that. But if Big Ben's not coming back, I'm going to start building for the future. I don't think that the Steelers team is going to be built for now because there are no veteran quarterbacks out there now to go lead them on a run. You're going to have to draft a quarterback and then hope that he can lead you on a run. That's not really going to work. So I think if Big Ben doesn't come back, they start building for the future and they probably let Juju go. Yeah, I think the Steelers are another team that could, in fact, uh, trade up to that first 10 picks or so to get a quarterback. Um, because, yeah, you said the veteran quarterbacks are starting to go a little bit. They probably were definitely high on Stafford. That didn't work out for him. I'm sure they're high on Deshaun Watson, but I just don't – we had, really don't know about Deshaun Watson either. Um, but, yeah, I think Juju – Kind of in a sticky situation because, as you said, he's on that rookie contract, so he really only has been paid a couple million dollars um, throughout the first four years of his NFL career. Yes, he's probably made a lot of money on uh, other things just because we see so much juju on our TVs. But uh, it kind of stinks that he couldn't come up with some kind of big deal after he had a great couple of first years because last year he did not play too well, and that might, may affect how free agency goes for him this year. Um, he wants to be a Steeler, but it may be tough for the Steelers to bring him back for the amount of money he wants. Um, I could see him going to Jacksonville, maybe being this, the guy for possibly Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. I could see him going to the Jets to rebuild there. Um, but I just don't see him ending up in Pittsburgh, but only time will tell. Yeah, and the thing is, is like I would put him in the category of like, the Golden Tates, Keenan Allen, Jamison Crowder, John Brown type guys, maybe a little lower, more towards the Robert Woods, Corey Davis, Tyler Boyd type players. All those players are making between eight and ten million. His entire contract for four years was four point one. Mm -hmm. That was it, and he played to the potential of those contracts that are eight, nine, ten million. So is that what he's looking for? I mean, he could be looking for a bigger contract, like a Jarvis Landry contract of 14.5. But, I mean, you're really realistically looking at an 8 to 9, maybe $10 million contract. And the question is, is can the Steelers afford him? They have the cap space if they, like, need it. But do they want him? And I, like I said, I think that's all dependent on Big Ben. Yeah, and they also have Chase Claypool, who they are now you know, paying on another rookie contract. It's kind of just working out for them where they don't actually have to re-sign the guy after their rookie contract, but they can just um, spend little money on great production from the receivers. They also have Deontay Johnson and James Washington. 
So they have the guys there, and they probably, as you said, don't even need Juju, uh, especially after the production he kind of lacked last year. But Big Ben is also another thing we should talk about because we kind of figured, uh, at least I figured, he was going to kind of call it quits because Marquise Pouncey is center did. He really did not look good against the Browns in the last playoff game. I think he threw four picks. Um, never really gave him a shot in the playoffs. And he held them back, in my opinion, because their defense was that good. And they just absolutely fell apart in the second half of the season. So, is Big Ben staying? And if he does, is he starting? I would start him if he stays, 100%. I mean, you look at his stats, and last year he threw for 3,800 yards, which was the dead center of all the quarterbacks. Threw for 10 picks, which was slightly better than the middle of all quarterbacks. 33 touchdowns, which was 7th. And had a 60.1 QBR, which was towards the bottom. But you look at some of his games. I don't know what you're talking about. The Cleveland game, he looked bad. Dude threw for 501 yards. 47 completions. He threw the ball 68 times, bro. But Four picks. It doesn't matter. (laughs) 501 yards. I'm taking the 501 yards. Over some other quarterback. Well, I'm taking the W over the L, man. Well, like, that's, true. They, true. They okay, up, but they, then let's look at the Indianapolis Colts game. Another 341-yard game. Then you look at some of the other games where he has lower attempts and they ran the ball more, and yes, you would be correct. He only throws for 170, 187, but he has a lot of 400, 500-yard games in his stretch, even in just last year, when he didn't have the best situations with when games were being played. I mean, Steelers, we would argue, got hit the hardest by COVID rescheduling and stuff like that. Sure. However, he still performed to average. And that's really what the Steelers need is average. Because I don't know, unless they trade for Deshaun Watson, in which case you're giving up talent that you already have, mm-hmm. you're not going to get a better than average quarterback right now. Who are you going to go get? Jacoby Brissett? Ryan Fitzpatrick? Those guys are by far worse than Ben Roethlisberger, and a rookie quarterback is not going to be any better than that in the first eight weeks. So you're going to look at barely making the playoffs if you do, and then you have to go from the wild card to the Super Bowl? I don't think so. So I'm taking Ben Roethlisberger if he comes back. He's starting for me because I'm not letting anybody else start if there's no other free agents. Now, if Carson Wentz was still out on the market, I'd say, hey, Steelers, wouldn't be a bad look for you. Or if Russell Wilson had the Steelers on his list hey Steelers put in a good offer but none of those guys are left he's got nobody to go get so yes I think I'm taking him I'm starting him if he comes back but he still hasn't said anything so we don't know right yeah and it makes sense he he probably is the only guy that should start in their small list of quarterbacks that they'll have but as you kind of said He's average, and that kind of stinks for the Steelers because they're pretty much stuck with average this year, it seems. And maybe they're a team that needs to go get a young quarterback to be under Big Ben this year and hopefully propel that offense next year um, because they do have a good team around the quarterback position. And all it takes is Ben Roethlisberger playing a little above average and maybe they can go on a run. But um, I don't know, man. He's, he's kind of getting to that level of play where it's very inconsistent um obviously he has potential to just go off on any given Sunday um but he's getting old and I am just waiting to see what he decides to do 
That's fair, but so here's my question for you. Yeah. Are you starting Joshua Dobbs over Ben Roethlisberger? No. Are you starting Dwayne Haskins over Ben Roethlisberger? I'll think about it. Okay. Are you starting Devlin Hodges over Ben Roethlisberger? Sadly, no. Okay. Mason Rudolph? Never know. Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah, I would think about that one for sure. Okay, so you just listed two out of the six options, five options that I just listed to you, and two you're thinking about. Right. Does that not tell you that Ben Roethlisberger still can play in the NFL? Now, average is good enough to get a team to the Super Bowl. I would argue that Tom Brady was just average for the first half of the regular season, maybe first three-quarter season. And look, he ended up in the Super Bowl and going off. Ben Roethlisberger could do the exact same thing. That's what he did early in his career. He was an average quarterback throughout the NFL season, and then he'd get to the playoffs, and he'd absolutely go off. So I'm taking Ben Roethlisberger if he comes back because I just don't see any other viable options. Dwayne Haskins needs time to develop. I liked the signing by the Steelers. Let him sit. Let him understand under Ben Roethlisberger. And then I also like Mason Rudolph if he can figure out mentally what's going on with this game. Well, yeah. He wasn't consistent when he started, was that two years ago, when Ben Roethlisberger, he wasn't, got hurt. He wasn't consistent. But if you could figure out how to develop those guys, sure, in a year or two, I'm saying, bye, Ben. I hope you have a great retirement. But this year, I just don't see any better viable options for them. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point there for sure. Mason Rudolph talked about his mental game. Obviously, he hasn't been the same since he took a helmet to the dome. Um, Dwayne Haskins is obviously a head case, but does seem to have that talent um, and potential. So maybe Haskins is that young guy that we're talking about them drafting this year. Maybe they don't. Maybe they focus in on Haskins to uh, learn under Big Ben for one more year. But, yeah, I, I just don't see them making that Super Bowl run, no matter who's that quarterback, unless you say, like, as you said, they go get Deshaun Watson because um, that AFC is so stacked. We already know the Chiefs are the team everybody's going for. The Bills are super good. The Colts could look very good this year. I just don't see the Steelers being able to get over that hump with Big Ben at quarterback. Well, and then here's my other question for you. Who are you going to be able to go sign? Because they're already $7 million over the cap right now. So it's not like you have money to go sign guys even if you wanted to. Sure, you're losing Big Ben's decent-sized contract, but you're still $7 million under the cap. Ryan Fitzpatrick is still going to be four, five, six million. So, I mean, at this point, I, I just don't see another option. So we could agree the Steelers are kind of in a bad position here. Yes. At the quarterback position. Yes. Um, unless Big Ben were to come back and go off, which there is that small sliver of hope, but we're not loving. We're not loving the chances for the Steelers. Um, and the Browns and the Ravens may be running the AFC North for the next couple of years. All right, uh, glad we went from Juju going to the Jaguars to uh, the Big Ben debate. Um, that's what we're here for. Also, we want to talk about the Buccaneers because they did a pretty crazy thing last offseason just by signing a lot of guys to one-year deals, um, bringing guys in that um, played great in the Super Bowl and throughout the playoffs and helped them at the end of the day win the Super Bowl. Um, but now they have to figure out how to keep those guys or as many of them as they can because they can't pay them all. And um, obviously huge players like Shaquille Barrett, who had so many sacks in that the last two games of the playoffs. Uh, Levante David, one of the best linebackers in football, 
Rob Gronkowski had two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Antonio Brown had a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Leonard Fournette had a touchdown in the Super Bowl. There's so many guys that um, they need to bring back, and I just don't know if they can do it. Yeah, other guys that you didn't list. Um, Sue, who was a really strong guy for them. Um, other guys, Chris Godwin. Um, and then you look at LaShawn McCoy, who didn't play a whole lot this year. But if for some reason you have an injury issue, I'd take LaShawn McCoy over pretty much any other backup running back in the league right now. So A.Q. Shipley was another one. Uh, Ryan Suckup, their kicker. So, I mean, you're looking at guys. Now, yeah, they're small contracts except for the first three, four guys that we listed. Shaquille Barrett's 15, Melante's 10, Gronk is 9, Sue is 8. And the problem is they're going to be asking for more than right. that after getting and, their Super Bowl three. Right, but everybody else is under $2 million outside of that. So you're looking at contracts that won't exceed 3 or $4 million, but you still have the problem of how many guys do we think? I mean, 10? Probably on this list, at least that they need to get back to be able to be the same team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's 20, 30, 40, 50 million right there that you don't necessarily have. So, what is this Buccaneers team going to look like? And what guys are they going to prioritize over the other? For me, I'm taking Shaquille Barrett and then saying, Levante David, Ooh. it was great having you on really? here, but I, I'm going to sign with the money that you want. I'm signing. Gronk, and I'm re-signing Antonio Brown, and I'm re-signing LaShawn McCoy for the price of you, by yourself. So I'm taking three guys over your one contract, and the only reason I say Shaquille Barrett is because Shaquille Barrett was more consistent throughout the year. So I think that's the kind of game that the Buccaneers are going to have to play is, how can I get the most amount of players for the same amount of money without losing a great amount of talent? Yeah. um, Personally, what I think they're going to do is they're going to absolutely prioritize Barrett and Levante David because that defense won them their championship. They absolutely wreaked havoc on Patrick Mahomes, and if they can uh, keep that defense together, they're going to continue to do that. And all Tom Brady needs is a solid defense, and he's going to win games. So I think they're going to do everything they can to keep those two guys, and I think that's going to um, end up causing them to lose Chris Godwin. I think Godwin's actually going to leave, um, which I think will have them keep Antonio Brown as the number two receiver. Still on a smaller contract, but he will probably ask for more. Um, and then they'll still have Mike Evans. They'll still have Scotty Miller. But I do think Godwin may be heading out. And then I also think Gronk is a very viable option to head out of Tampa Bay. After all he did, he scored two touchdowns. They still have some really good tight ends. O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait. Howard obviously got hurt. Um, at the later part of the year. But do you really want to pay Gronk $9 million when you have to be paying guys like Shaquille Barrett and Levante David? So, in my opinion, based on what you've said, really the Buccaneers have a couple options. If they want to keep Shaquille Barrett and Levante David, they're going to have to let Sue and Steve McClendon, their two top defensive tackles, they're going to have to let them go because they can't afford them. Combined, they're $11 million in contract. And right now, Levante David had a $10.05 million contract, and we know he's going to be asking closer to 15 now. Yeah. So now you can't afford your two best defensive tackles. Well, now you're not going to be able to stop the run, probably, which creates big issues. So suddenly your defense is gone. Or you can try and get Steve McClendon and Sue 
to stay at their contracts and let R- Rob Gronkowski and a guy like LaShawn McCoy and a guy like Chris Godwin, let all of them go and hopefully keep those two defensive tackles. Because if they're going to prioritize the defense, Gronk isn't going to be able to stay. They can't afford him. Mm-mm. So that will be really interesting to watch throughout the year, offseason. It'll be crazy, folks, and we'll keep you updated. But that will kind of be something that we need to keep our eye on because I don't know what that team's going to look like compared to this year. Yeah, and at the end of the day, they made a brilliant play last in the offseason and during the season by signing some key guys, and it paid off for them. So this is a great problem to have coming off of a Super Bowl. At the end of the day, you just got a ring. Yes, it's not going to be easy to keep everybody, but it's a great problem to have. People are going to want to stay in Tampa Bay. There will be small instances where they're going to, where these guys will take a little less money. Um, but they are as we said, these players are going to want to take a lot more money, but they will be willing to take maybe just a little bit less just to stay with this Super Bowl caliber team. And uh, we'll have to see what happens. As a fan in the NFC, I'm sure you're the same. You'd love to see them kind of fall apart and lose some guys here because they did look really good in the playoffs. Um, so we'll have to see what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do. Uh, that being said, let's get into a little college football news. And probably some of the best news we've seen in a while just with all of COVID pandemic stuff we've seen over the last year. And that's that the SEC is, as of now, planning on having full stadiums next year with full capacity crowds, Um, whether they have masks on or not, I don't know, probably, with a full stadium. But um, that's just great news to me Um, because even watching games on TVs, games are so much different when you just hear that full crowd or you see that full crowd just erupting after great plays. And then obviously you just miss going to games with the full crowd and just that community that uh, sports brings together. So uh, you hoping to see that SEC full stadium, or do you think it's going to happen? I'd love to see it. I don't know if it will. I can see it going up to like 75%, 80%, but I don't know that they're going to be like, yeah, I'll let everybody back in, even with masks. So I think it would be great. I'd love to see it. I miss Seeing, I mean, college football is one of the biggest fan environments in all of football. You could only argue a few NFL franchises that have better stadium and fan life than college football. College football is where fans like live. Yeah. It is the best fan watching and noise that you can get in football. So I'd be so excited and so happy if that could happen, especially stadiums like Florida and Texas A&M. Those kind of stadiums where they're loud and they're big and they look great with a lot of people, but they don't look so good when there's not a full (laughs) stadium. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if that happens. I'd love to see it. And obviously it'll just depend on how successful our medical people in the U.S. are over the coming months and what we can figure out what we can and can't do coming into the future. Yeah, I think... uh... If the SEC were to pull this off, I don't see conferences like the Pac-12 or the Big Ten getting there quite yet because we've seen them be a little more skeptical um, as far as bringing fans into stadiums, and they didn't even have any fans in the stadium. So it would be hard for me to imagine them going from 0 to 100 um, just like that. So I do believe every conference and every stadium is going to have more fans than they did last year. I just hope it can be as close to full as possible because, as we said, man, full stadiums in college football doesn't get much better than that. 
Alright, let's get into our last segment of the day. We're going to call it Who You Got. And obviously we've been, we say who you got a lot. I think it's one of our um, more used terms just because we would always go over the NFL games and we'd be like, who you got, man? So I'm going to ask you um, some draft-related um, questions here. And it's just going to be between two players. I have a pair of quarterbacks, a pair of running backs, and a pair of receivers that I would say could have some controversy on whether uh, which one should go first in the draft. Um, I will say most of these guys are pretty much first-rounders, I would assume. Um, but pretty much, I'm going to give you two players, and you tell me which one should go first, and uh, maybe we'll have a little debate about it. Uh, the first is between two quarterbacks, Zach Wilson from BYU and Justin Fields from Ohio State. Who you got? Give me Zach Wilson, and here's why. He is the prototype quarterback for what you want. He's built like a Patrick Mahomes type player he can he's shown arm talent he can get out of the pocket move but he doesn't have the height issue and he's also sturdy and can take hits he took a lot of hits at BYU he can, he's shown that he can continue to do that and he seems a lot smarter and more mature as far as football IQ than Justin Fields is my concerns with Justin Fields and why I wouldn't take him is over Zach Wilson I still think he's a top 10 pick his Decision-making can be slightly erratic in pressure situations. His throws can be Patrick Mahomes-like, but not quite as lucky. So a lot of picks when he's thrown across his body to the wrong side of the field or stuff like that. And then his height, which I had talked about earlier, is some quarterbacks can be successful in that. We've seen Baker Mayfield be successful in some years. Russell Wilson has been pretty successful. Tyler Murray has begun to be successful pretty successful as shorter quarterbacks. I think that there's going to be some issues with Justin Fields for the first couple years if he can't sit and develop because he just hasn't quite matured to a football IQ that would make me comfortable starting him. Zach Wilson, I'd prefer to sit him behind a veteran quarterback, let him develop, get a little bit more mature, and throw him out there in year two like a Patrick Mahomes type deal. But I'm taking Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. I think I agree with you. Um, if I were the Jets right now, I probably would pick Wilson as well. Both of these guys are 6'3". I will say that. So they're both kind of near the shorter end, but also at a spot where you're probably not too worried about it. And as we discussed, short quarterbacks are proving people wrong right now. Um, both of these guys kind of remind me of Russell Wilson, just because they both do have the legs. I wouldn't say to Russell's ability, but they also have that cannon that Russell has. Um so maybe they have that potential. Do you believe um, that Zach Wilson's ceiling, you know, as far as a career, is higher than Justin Fields? Because I, the only thing that's scaring me about pay, t- taking Wilson over Fields is that Fields just has that superstar potential. He could just, he could potentially just go off, and you just would really hate to pick Zach Wilson and him be a bust over, you know, a Justin Fields. Because we've seen that happen in drafts where. Guys take guys like Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Hopefully that's not happening here. Yeah, Um, I think the thing to note is while Justin Fields does have that potential, he was also surrounded by stars that are high draft picks that were recruited highly. BYU is not the highest recruited place to go to. I mean, you kind of get some of the more bottom-of-the-barrel type guys at BYU. So 
while I would completely agree that Justin Fields does have that ability, I think Zach Wilson could if he had the right weapons. Yeah. And the other thing that I would like to bring up, I think I was thinking less about height and more about weight. Zach Wilson plays at almost 20 pounds lighter than Justin Fields does and has seems to be more durable than Justin Fields has. Now, I don't want to talk too much because Justin Fields came back in the semifinal after getting hit and played really tough and really hasn't set out for injuries. But I just like the way that Zach Wilson has played so far. His arm talent down the field and his decision-making is really what makes me want to choose him. As we've talked about before, my number one key for football is you got to take care of the football. If you don't take care of the football, you're not going to win games. Mm-hmm. And Zach Wilson has taken care of the football better than Justin Fields has. I think you defended your stance very well, and uh, I think we see both of these guys go really early. And maybe, as you said, you know, Fields has always had that really good receiving core. Maybe he wants to go down to the Falcons and uh, have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley rather than get picked by the New York Jets, and who do you have there? So maybe that would be a better situation for both of them if uh, Wilson went earlier. All right. Let's move on to the running backs. Najee Harris versus Travis Etienne. Both guys that could potentially go late first round, early second round. I think they both go first round because once one of them is off the board, it's really going to be put a lot of pressure on some other teams to go get the other one because I think they are, without a doubt, the two best running backs in this class. Yeah, that's a really tough one for me. I think I'm probably going to take Najee Harris, and here's why. While Travis, uh, Travis Etienne has played well at Clemson, he's also been able to be set up for success with draw plays because of the threat of Trevor Lawrence's arm. Now, yes, did Najee play, Harris play with Mac Jones and the Heisman winner at wide receiver? True, but I just like the way Najee Harris plays. I mean, he plays at 6'2", 229 pounds, He's a decently sized guy. I mean, he's bigger than people give him credit for. He's basically the size of Tua, and people were saying that Tua was a decent sized player coming out of the draft. So I like the way Najee Harris plays. He's a two-way player. He can be a three-down back for you. You don't have to sub him out like you would for other players because there are a lot of guys that can only be a first and second down back or some guys that can just be a third down back. He can play downs one through three and be effective running the football, and he has shown that he can run over some guys if he needs to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he he really reminds me of Derrick Henry just because the dude can absolutely truck somebody, but he could also just run right by him. And he has the potential to be one of the best running backs in football, um, in my opinion. But I also really love Travis Etienne. The guy's got breakaway speed. He's also really agile. Like I would compare him to maybe Alvin Kamara. We'll see if he can get to that level. Um, we have also seen rumors that Tua wants the Dolphins to um, take Najee Harris, his teammate from college. Could you potentially see, maybe a little foreshadowing of who, of who we talk about at receiver, could you see the Dolphins taking Devontae Smith at three and then later at 18 taking Najee Harris? Maybe. I think the more likely situation would be, hear me out, this is not a likely situation, but it could happen. Washington football team needs a quarterback, do they not? Yep. I could see Washington football team trying to trade to that third pick and the Dolphins having the 18th and 19th pick back-to-back in the middle of round one. Hmm. Not likely, but possible. And then at that point, I think you take Najee Harris and then you take an O-lineman 
or you take an edge guy. Um, I think that would be really the key. I think the other thing is is Miami could trade down from 18 if there's a team looking for a quarterback or a high draft pick, a higher draft pick, um, such as the New Orleans Saints if they're not going to have Drew Brees and they need a couple more weapons or a new quarterback to kind of bring up. I think they have a plan for the next five to eight years, but if they want to have a good backup quarterback or even bolster their defense, I think another team that could possibly want to trade up is Pittsburgh could want to go up to that 18 spot. The Jets could want to move back up to that 18 spot. And so I think I can see Najee Harris going down towards the 22, 23, 24, 25 type range. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, I think you could see Devonta Smith and then Najee Harris back to back. And then that Alabama trio is back together. That would be very interesting to see. Um, I honestly think that second first round pick that the Dolphins have is going to be at running back. And just because I don't see any other teams later in that round going running back, I think they're fine for the most part. But I think the Dolphins kind of have a gaping hole in their offense without that running back, and Najee Harris could possibly bring him over that hump. All right, final one between two receivers who we we know well. Um, the last two receivers of the year, um, Jamar Chase from LSU and Devontae Smith from Alabama. Um, there has been kind of a debate about who's going to go earlier. And it, I think a huge thing, um, like take out the talent, I just think a huge thing is that there's some quarterbacks near the top of that draft, Tua Tagovailoa on the Dolphins who have the third pick, and Joe Burrow, who is LSU's quarterback, they have the fifth pick on the Bengals. So, I mean, that could also potentially um, affect who those teams pick because you have to imagine that Two is like, hey, I want my guy Devontae. And Joe's like, hey, I want my guy Jamar. And we don't know what quarterbacks may go that early. So both those teams may have an opportunity to take either Devontae or Jamar. So if you're these teams, who you got? Well, first of all, I don't think the quarterbacks really have a great control, especially as rookies, second-year guys. Sure. I don't think that the teams are going to listen to them. They're going to take whoever they think is the better potential and better talent. For me personally, I'm taking Jamar Chase, and it's purely because he plays at a higher weight, can be more durable, and he can make the big guy plays. He's not the DK Metcalf of the world. He's never going to go absolutely out-muscle somebody, but he's going to go up and moss some guys. He's going to go up and be able to make a fade catch in the end zone. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Devonta Adams, the Green Bay Packer wide receiver. He has the speed. He has the route running ability, and then if he needs to, he can get big and make big-time plays, especially if he's matched up against a smaller corner. So I'm taking Jamar Chase. Even though Devonta Smith won the Heisman, I just think that he hasn't proven himself quite yet, and the only reason he had a breakout year was because Jalen Waddle didn't play a whole lot. If Jalen Waddle had played the entire year, I don't think we would have seen Devonta Smith have near as good of a year. So... I'm taking Jamar Chase. He just has too many upsides for me to take Devonta Smith, who really doesn't have that many years of incredible film to go by. Yeah. I. This one's tough for me just because Jamar Chase is so deadly. Obviously, we don't know what LSU's feeding their receivers, but, I mean, we saw what Justin Jefferson did last year. Jamar Chase was the number one receiver over Justin Jefferson the year they won the title. Um, 
But also Devontae Smith, man, he's a playmaker. Yes, he's small and skinny and whatever. But at the end of the day, teams in the college football playoff and in the SEC knew they were going to Devontae Smith and they still could not stop the guy because all he had to do was run around him and just make one move and he was gone. So these are two dangerous receivers, two guys that I expect to be the face of franchises here in five to ten years. Um, and I think you really can't go wrong either way. And I honestly believe that these two guys are always going to be compared to each other just because of this draft. You really never see receivers go this high or projected to go this high in a draft. And these two guys are going to be going together through their whole careers, and they're going to be compared and be like, is this guy better, is this guy better? So I can't wait to see which guy goes first. I can't wait to see what happens in those first 10 picks because I do believe it's going to be crazy. So it seems that you're going with Jamar Chase, Najee Harris, and then Zach Wilson. I think I pretty much agree with you. I think uh, they're all going to be great debates for the next 60 days as we lead up to this draft. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so that's going to wrap up today's show. I think we discussed a lot of great topics. Um, looking forward to next week as we have a guest to announce. Yeah, so next week we're going to be bringing on Scott Porter. He knows a lot about the draft. Uh, draft Recon is a website that he has built. I really enjoy talking with him. Uh, we're going to have him on Zoom next week, so our audio quality might be slightly down from what it normally is next week because we will be going through Zoom to be able to interview him. We are so excited to have him on next week. Um, so that is definitely something to look forward to. Definitely make sure to tune in next week because we will have him doing a mock draft. Yeah, mock drafts are always fun. This guy knows what he's talking about, so we're going to have to really pick his brain next week, see what we what he thinks teams are going to do, and then uh, we'll, t we'll ask him the tough questions uh, that everybody's thinking. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say about the draft as we continue our countdown to the draft series. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. It was a great episode. We really enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed it too. Please give us any feedback to our Instagram at the Gridiron Podcast. Link to our merch and to our Spotify are both in the bio in that Instagram. And also make sure to follow us on Instagram because we will be doing the Instagram live for the NFL draft. So if you're following us, you'll be able to tune into that and get our live reactions to all the draft picks. So thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate your guys' support. Have a great weekend and happy football.